Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on March 9th, 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Hey, this is a day I'm going to talk about free agents that were signed. There's been so much talk about free agents not being signed this offseason. It's just a relief to hear one a couple actually go off the board. Now, Mike Moustakis is returning to the Kansas City Royals. And in a way, that's the deal that probably made the most sense. He has so much goodwill in the bank in Kansas City. Obviously, he was a member of the teams that went to back-to-back World Series, winning the World Series in 2015. He had some big-time home runs, big-time hits, made a great diving into the stands catch in the American League Championship Series against Baltimore. You know, Kansas City is, I, I really do think they, they missed an opportunity to do some major league rebuilding uh, by dealing Hosmer and Moustakis and Kane at the trade deadline, but they didn't. And in the end, they wound up getting they wound up getting draft picks for Kane and Hosmer, and not be tied to them in long term deals. And they'll have Mike Moustakis, who had a fine year last year, coming back. You know, this is I mean, what year? This will be year. Um, hold on, scroll. This will be year eight. As a member of the Kansas City Royals, is an All Star last year. Was an All Star when they won the World Series in 2015. I uh, hit career highs in home runs. Uh, had a career high in batting average. Had a career high in OPS last year. He thought he timed it perfectly. He's only 29 years old, and he's probably going to have another good season. And because it's an extraordinarily cheap contract with a. Um, you know, with a, a team option, I think it's a mutual option for a second year. You know what the Royals can do? They can bring him back. He waves to the crowd. Everyone's thrilled with him. And come the trade deadline, they could swap him and, you know, help build up their farm system. Or if the Royals are contending, you know, this upcoming season, which I don't think they will. But this gives them a chance to say, hey, put together another big season. It's essentially another contract season for him. And if they trade him in midseason, he won't have the draft pick assigned to him in the compensation, and he'll probably go out and find a much more robust market. I actually think there's going to be a lot of teams throwing money around next year with some of the big stars, and it might be a better market for him to participate in. Either way, look at if Moustakis had signed with the qualifying offer that was given to him, he'd probably make $11 million more. But I don't think even he predicted that there would be no market for him out there. But in the end, he comes back. You know, of course, there are other still big names out there. Be interesting to see what happens with Jose Bautista, who I still think could help a bunch of teams out there. And it would be interesting to see finally with a trio of pitchers, you know, you know, the Cobbs and the Lins and especially the Arietas land. I mean, to me... At, you know, at this point, if you're St. Louis and if you're Tampa Bay, why not say, hey, no one's signing you. Come on back. Because that's the one place that's not going to affect the, uh, you know, the compensation draft pick 
and go back into it next year. Knock him out and go back into it next year. Lynn makes no sense that he's still out there, but look at the Mustaka signing. It it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, it was just a bad, perfect storm of events that meant there was no market for him. And this allows the Royals, you know, they're, they're going to go into next year with, look, at it's not a great team that they have. It's really not. But, you know, you, you put, you know, the Moss is now gone. They were going to try Moss at first, and I believe he's now gone. You know, you could try Moustakis at third and, you know, move uh, Cuthbert over. You could do all sorts of things that could make them be a potential contender. I mean, as I've made this point ad nauseum, it doesn't take a great team to contend for the American League wildcard. And the Royals, even though they finished last year with a losing record of 80 and 82, they were in contention for a gigantic chunk of the season. That's why they didn't rebuild. You know, the nice run that they went on, and for a while it looked like they were going to challenge Cleveland for the American League Central before Cleveland went on the 20-game winning streak and just put everyone in the dust. You know, in some ways, the worst thing that happened to the Royals was contending after the All-Star break. Because if they didn't, they would have, you know, traded everyone off and it would have been, you know, you would have gotten for Moustakis, for Kane, for, you know, Hinsky. Hensky, geez, I keep calling him Hinsky for Hosmer. You would have gotten you know one or two quality players to shove into the farm system. But as it is, the Royals are going to go in. They're going to squeeze a little more nostalgia out of Mustakis, but not a big honking huge contract. If you were to bring back Mustakis or Hosmer, and it looked like they were both gone, Hosmer signed for and again, I sound like I'm a broken record here, a ridiculously long contract for a team that he doesn't quite fit in. But there he is, you know, and you bring back one of them. Hey, we brought one of them back, and for an incredibly short-term deal. In some ways, that's a best-case scenario. you got three big stars. Can you bring any of them back so the fans can be happy? Yeah, we did. And not, you know, we gained draft picks, and we didn't really just clog the, the, the payroll and, and the, the roster for years to come. So, you know, good for nostalgia, good for this, that, and the other thing. The other player who signed a short-term deal to return to his former team is Carlos Gonzalez. And this, I think, is in many ways more interesting than Moustakis. And the reason is the Royals won. They won, as I said, they won back-to-back pennants and a world championship in 2015. Now, it's extraordinarily rare these days to win back-to-back pennants. You really think about it. Going to the World Series in consecutive years, that's a tough trick to pull off. You know, recent teams, I mean, the Phillies did it in 08 and 09. The Rangers did it in 2010-2011. Kansas City did it in 2014-2015. And that's it. And we've had some heavy-duty hitters out there. Boy, it looked like the Indians were going to back-to-back World Series when they won all those games in a row and were up 2-0 on the Yankees, didn't it? Boy, oh boy, it looked like, you know, the the Cubs. Any team, the Cubs were all lined up to go to back-to-back World Series, it looked like. 
Cardinals had a bunch of teams, went to the World Series one year, then they're in the League Championship Series the next, all lined up for back-to-back pennants. They always seem to run into the San Francisco Giants along the way. So the Royals did everything you could hope for for a franchise, especially a relatively small market franchise. They had their glory. And for, for Royals fans, that should tide them over for a bunch of years. Have a few players still hanging out that you can wave to. Hey, there's Alex Gordon and Mike Moustakas. How you doing? Salvador Perez is still there. Way to go, buddy. As they build towards the future. The Colorado Rockies, however, need to get to that point. The Rockies are one of two franchises in all of baseball to have never win their division. They've never won their division. They've been in the postseason. 1995, they're a wild card. 2007, they were a wild card and went all the way to the World Series. 2009, they were a wild card. And last year, they were a wild card. Now, the Rockies realize that they are in a similar position that Kansas City was a few years ago. They are in a position where... They know the stars have to align a certain way for them to be a contender. And it's even harder in Colorado because it's impossible to entice pitchers to come there. They tried to use the whole, we'll overpay you more than anything, and that turned into the Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel fiasco of 2000. You have to build the team from within, preferably a bunch of sinker ballers to get people to hit them into the ground, if you pop them up in the zero gravity of Coors Field, I don't care if they use humidors. I don't care if they if they cover them in lead, the balls in lead. Balls are going to fly out of Coors Field. And because the field is so wide and so deep, there's going to be a ton of triples there too. Why do you think so many players hit for the cycle at Coors Field? Because that ball goes into a gap. You're at third before you know it. It's not just the big home run power. It's the huge field that they play in. So with that being said, when you have a chance to win in Colorado, you got to pull the trigger on that. And you also have to know that Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado very well may not be back for you know that much longer. That you know, time is running out on some of these players. Now, Carlos Gonzalez, who has been there since the 2000 and nine wildcard team went out to the barren free agent market. And there were a couple of teams that brought in outfielders who made me think, you know what? Wouldn't it make sense to bring in a player like Carlos Gonzalez? You know, I mean, I thought he would have made more sense in Seattle than bringing Ichiro back. But, you know, you can point to the fact that he's going to be 32 years old. I believe he has a pick attached to him. You know, his splits are terrible outside of Coors Field. But he has had years where he's bounced back. He's had years where he's been either injured or had a down season and come back and played well. And the fact of the matter is they could very well use him in a strict platoon situation. Or maybe just play him in Coors Field. Either way, it's going to be his 10th season in a Colorado Rockies uniform. And there's a strange part of me that has a fixation with that. 
Like in the day and age of the free agents and teams being, you know, breaking them up and trying to, you know, trade players at max value, when you can play 10 years with one franchise, 10 seasons, to me that's like, wow, that's really all you can really legitimately ask for, for a player. You have played a decade here. And Rocky fans, it's funny, when you look back, there have been a lot of players who have played a bunch of years in Colorado, and, you know, the longest probably being Todd Helton, but there have been players who have stuck around that, that you know, Rocky fans can point to and say, yeah, he's, he's one of us. You know, he's one of our guys. So Carlos Gonzalez is heading back to the Colorado Rockies. And the Colorado Rockies are now, not because of this, but this, this deal helps them with their depth, I believe. I believe having him on the team, along with Charlie Blackman, along with Geraldo Parra, along with David Dahl, you know, along with a lot of, you know, along with Trevor Story, along with DJ LeMahieu, along with Nolan Arenado, along with Chris Iannetta. You go all around that team, you see, hey, they got a good bat here. They got a good bat there. They're playing in course. That's pretty cool. And then you also take a look at the fact that the one thing that has kept them from being a division winner and, and save for the bananas two weeks that they had in October of 2007, any real hopes of a pennant or a world championship has been muted in Colorado, save for that wild Rocktober that they had, has been the fact that they've had difficulty developing their pitching staff. Now, I'm not going to say that the combination of Herman Marquez and John Gray and Kyle Freeland and Jeff Hoffman, I'm not trying to say that th- this is the next coming of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. Obviously, that's not the case. But the way those pitchers pitched last year was solid. It was not a glaring weakness. This wasn't Kevin Ritz being the number one starter of a playoff team with an ERA over five like they were in the Blake Street Bombers wildcard team that actually put a little scare in the Atlanta Braves. This is a team that won 87 games last year. 87. And squeezed past the Milwaukee Brewers to get into the wildcard game. And the wildcard game was a slugfest that they wound up losing to Arizona. But this is after a bunch of losing seasons and the worst kind of losing seasons. Those kind of, you know, 85 to 90 lost seasons where they're not really relevant. They're not really part of anything. Well, now Colorado is coming off of a winning season, a trip to the postseason. And not only that, and not only the, the they have a pretty much, with the exception of Marquez, their rotation is pretty much homegrown, you know, brought up through their system. And you take a look at they signed, you know, they lost Greg Holland, who had a, who had a very good year. Um, but they brought in Wade Davis, who's been excellent. And they brought in Brian Shaw, who's a fine reliever. They brought in Jake McGee, or they, you know, they re-signed Jake McGee. Now, they spent a lot of money on the pen, 
And, you know, you have, uh, you know, Dunn and you have, you know, a couple other, you know, Scott Oberg. I'm not saying this is a great bullpen. But the same way, I'm not saying it's a great rotation. But if you eliminate pitching as being the overwhelming negative with the Colorado Rockies, then you could stop around and say, well, wait a minute. What's the key for the Rockies to have a, a solid season? It's actually, the, the, the combination is pretty solid. And for most of this offseason, I was starting to think that the Rockies very well may be one of those, they had a fluke year, and you know they, they won 87 games, and they made it to the postseason, but it was short-lived, and there you go. But stop and think, it's like, if their rotation allows them to play well at home, okay, you know that they play in the National League West, of which you're going to have many games at Dodger Stadium, AT&T Park, and Petco Park, which are pitcher's ballparks. So the rotation could survive there. Fine. There's ominous news coming out of Arizona about Zach Grinke and the fact that his velocity is starting to go down. And as we have seen, when, you, when a pitcher falls off a map, it could be in an awful hurry. The idea of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who down the stretch last year were, were spectacular, and I actually thought they were going to upset the Dodgers in the division series. They wound up winning 93 games and were really, really a good, solid team last year. And I do believe they'll be okay. But if all of a sudden Grinky is not the starting pitcher that they need him to be. And, you know, Grinky was in a Cy Young candidate last year, but he, he had a good year. The idea of Arizona taking a step back is not crazy. The idea of the San Francisco Giants, who I talked about the other day, not having everything clicked together is not crazy. The idea of the Cubs or the Cardinals not being as strong is not crazy. And you think about some of the punching bags that are in the National League. The Padres. I don't think the Padres are going to be a 100-loss team. I think they're going to be a 90-loss team just because I don't think they're better than the other teams in the division. The Marlins, the Reds, the Pirates, the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves. The Rockies are better than all those teams and should be able to pile up wins against them. If the rotation, Freeland, Gray, Marquez, you know, Chad Bettis, if these pitchers can just be good enough to give them five, six innings, let the, or the Arenados and the LeMayhews and the Blackmans pile up some hits, and you hand the ball over to a very deep bullpen, and you allow someone like Carlos Gonzalez to platoon, to come off the bench, to allow them to you know, have that veteran with that link back to the 2009 team and maybe see some of the players who are coming up through their farm system, some of the other big 
bats that are coming through their farm and a bunch of other arms that are coming through their farm to give them a shot. Colorado is looking at qualifying for the postseason for the first time in back-to-back years ever. Do I think they have enough to win the division? The division is Los Angeles. The Rockies, can they top L.A.? What would it take for them to top L.A.? Well, it would take a huge regression for Los Angeles, who obviously won 104 games, have won, 90, have won more than 90 games for the last five seasons, and the division each one of those years, the pennant last year. And it would take massive injuries. And do you know what? I don't think that's happening because we've seen the Dodgers go through massive injuries before, and they still find a way to win the division. So the answer is, I don't think that's possible. Do I think it's possible that the Rockies can win the wild card? Not only do I think it's possible, I think they're one of the leading contenders. You know, I've been looking, I'm, I'm weighing a lot of factors in terms of what it will take for me you know, to win divisions and everything like that as I make my predictions, which I'll make my official predictions in a couple of weeks. And the more I look at Colorado and the more I look at some of the other teams, the Rockies are a scary team. They're a scary team because when you come into Coors Field, it always messes with the pitchers. And if they have pitchers who aren't messed with there, that could make their home record lopsided. Absolutely lopsided. Last year, now ERA is, is not the end-all, be-all of stats. Their team ERA was 4.51. That's mediocre. If you're a pitcher and you have a 4.5 ERA, that's a mediocre ERA. But for cores, when you play half of your game at cores and your team ERA is mediocre, that ain't so bad. That's not so bad. Especially when you have one of the top run-producing offenses in the National League, which they did. Mediocre pitching plus terrific offense equals wins. That's just mathematics. I do not believe the Rockies will win the National League West. I think the Los Angeles Dodgers have the better team over 162 games. That being said, in short series at Coors Field, a lot of bad things can happen. And the fact of the matter is, the Rockies' lineup has very few holes and some good quality depth. And I think the addition of having Carlos, having Carlos Gonzalez come back to prove himself for a second walk year and you know, to, to put up better numbers than he did the year before. And you have potential, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about the contract. I think both, I know Blackman is on a walk year. I believe Arenado may be as well. So you are seeing the Rockies pushing their chips to the center of the plate, saying the table saying, hey, we got to do this now. 
You know, they may be able to re-sign Arenado or Blackman, but they are in a similar position that Kansas City was facing all these free agents, with one major exception. The Royals got to the top of the mountain. The Royals got the moment that their fans have been waiting for their whole life. You know, for those, especially those with no memory of 1985. The Rockies are doing it for a fan base that has never won a championship. Now, let me say this. Denver is not a big baseball city traditionally. The fact they only have one pennant to their name may go a long way of doing that. But Denver is a great sports city. I'm a little biased because I have had several of my cousins grow up in Colorado, and they're all rabid Denver Bronco fans. But when you have a fan base who loves their teams and gets super into their teams, you're in an interesting place with the Rockies because if a team wins a title, you basically have, I believe, a five-year window where you can't complain about anything. I'd argue maybe as many as ten. But it's certainly a five-year window where you can't complain about piddly-poo. And the main sports team in Denver are the Broncos. I don't think anyone could possibly deny that. The main sports team is the Denver Broncos, who won the Super Bowl, what, three years ago? Three short years ago, the Broncos were Super Bowl champs. Which means Denver is still in the honeymoon bubble. They are still in the, hey, it's not, hey, we won the Super Bowl a few years ago. Isn't everything great? Our main team won. And so that is putting a grand total of zero pressure on the Colorado Rockies, which is almost an ideal situation for them. Because their fans showing up, maybe with a little buzz on, can see their team win those wild course games and maybe go farther than they ever thought and do so in the sports honeymoon bubble of Denver post-Broncos Super Bowl title. This is an interesting, scary team that can build upon a disappointing wild card game against Arizona with a team that is quietly fortifying many of its weaknesses. Part of me would love to see them go and sign a Lance Lynn with the promise that they never pitch him at home. You know, said, look, you're only going to pitch on the road. You're going to start, every road trip starts with your start. You'll never have to pitch a course field game. You can have your throw days there, but you never have to pitch a course field game. You know, and help, you know, and you'll take two starts, you know, you'll make, you know, you will pitch you on four days rest on on the road so you get your innings in, but you never have to pitch in the thin air. Why not? Why not get creative like that? But the fact of the matter is this. The Rockies won 87 games and took a playoff spot. Just a few years after being a 96-loss team, a 94-loss team with no hope in sight. And now, 
amidst that sports bubble in Denver, or maybe it's a puff of smoke, I'm not sure, there's hope. No wonder Carlos Gonzalez came back. He didn't want to be around for all the bad years and miss out this potential good year. It's an interesting year to follow the Rockies. They were a surprise team last year. This year, not so much of a surprise, but building upon something. And who knows? It may be a longer October than you're expecting. And this has been a longer March than I'm expecting. Let's get this season on. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. You can be an old school and send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. Talking Rockies and welcoming Moustakas back. This has been Sully Baseball for the ninth day of March 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.